0: Hello. Yes, for one week only I've seized control of the Totally Football League show and not a moment too soon by the looks of things. Look at this. Look at the state of this place. I'll leave you alone for four months. The studio's full of Haribos and apparently we're not doing pre-show cocktails anymore. God, I miss you, Matt Stanker. Yes, there is no Caroline Barker this week. As you doubtless heard on the news this morning, she's been subpoenaed in the ongoing investigation into possible collusion between the Russian government and the Trump administration. Obviously, everyone at Muddy Knees Media sends their very best to Caroline. At this difficult time, uh, we urge her to plea bargain her way out of this. Sell them out, Kaz. Right, who is here then? Let's bring in the team and the whole of this, manipulated for our heavy metal pleasure. Hit it. Into the booth we go where we find our AC, who's thunderstruck as always, it's Adrian Clark. <laughs> Good morning. To the left, the DC, he'll always shoot to thrill, David Connolly. Good morning. And living easy, living free, with a season ticket on a one-way ride down the highway to hell, it's Joe Crilly of William Hill. Hello. Eh, I was always more of an Iron Maiden man myself. Good for you. I don't want to actively encourage anyone to switch off, though I reckon we probably lost 20% of the audience for that first hello. But after the show, listen to Phantom of the Opera by Iron Maiden. Off their first album, still turns the test of time. Shall we move on and talk about some football, rather than heavy metal? (laughs) All
1: I've got is Def Leppard.
0: (laughs) That's all I've got. That barely even counts. We really should move on. To the championship, Darby losing to Rotherham. Now, look, we could talk about the penalty... We could talk about the Tom Lawrence dismissal. Uh, we could talk about Frank Lampard getting sent off. But stop, Miller's time. Let's talk about them because I remember when Rotherham were last in the second division, Clarkey, and it didn't go like this.
1: No, it really didn't. No, they've come an awful long way since since a young AC uh, made one start on a, on a doomed loan <laughs> spell at Millmore back in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, probably one of the worst loan spells in the history of of the EFL. But let's let's not let's not dwell on that too much. They have come a long way. And I tell you what even though they've moved from Millmore into into New York Stadium it's becoming a fortress isn't it I mean the the home form is is terrific and they are they're just nasty to play against they're not easy uh, opponents at all they'll get in your face they'll rough you up and they will Create carnage from crosses, from dead ball situations, from long throws. They're a little bit like Millwall, aren't they? Rather, in, in terms of they know their limitations, they play to their strengths, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And 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 from what I gather. They bullied Derby and and they won't be the first team that are bullied by Rotherham this year.
0: Yeah, they've got that big lad up front, uh, Michael Smith, big Geordie lad, breed tough on Wolves End. They were really just smashing into Derby. And David, this is something I think we've seen over the course of the season. Derby desperately sort of trying to play the game at their own tempo, playing out the back. But teams like Rotherham, you know, if they're up for it and they were up for it, they can get at them. Absolutely, and I think also what they have at the back is Richard Wood, who who I know, I did a, a
2: course of Richard, he's a great lad, obviously pivotal in terms of them going up, and look, they don't score many goals, so they have they basically nick a couple, and that puts an awful lot of pressure on your defence, and at the minute, it's coping, you know, I guess long term for them, it might be, are they going to score enough goals, beating Mill the odd goal, it twitches well, two teams not in great form, so I think, although they're doing well, I think they will have tougher times to follow, Contrast that, obviously, with Derby, who, who I have seen against uh, live against the likes of Millwall, who, who who did rough them up. They tried to play the right way or a way. It doesn't mean it's the right way, but against certain teams, they have found it tough. And um, I think Frank's changed a little bit in terms of when you look at him on the sideline. In, in some games, I've seen him and and he's been very quiet and say teams are, are wasting time. At Millwall, for example, the ball was out an awful lot. And because and he's new to it, you think a more experienced manager might be getting onto the fourth official like they're wasting time and I just think Frank has, has learned from that and he's trying to get into four officials now whether he's overstepped the mark a little bit here I don't know but I just wonder whether he's you know realises nice guy doesn't always come come first maybe sometimes they do come second or, or
0: Clark well. is, is this what's happened is it do you reckon he's trying to sort of show our manager now a bit of passion getting the four officials here and he's gone too far maybe it could be that he's just getting
1: stressed out and we know that being a manager will drive you to distraction don't you he's probably not getting a, a lot of sleep at the moment moment he's probably little things are beginning to get to him I'm sure it's not easy it's an all consuming job he's gone from being a player from being a senior player he's gone to being a pundit very good pundit but that's easy (laughs) that's what we do I mean that's I mean you're not going to lose any sleep being a pundit but it's now twenty four seven. You know, his wife's having a baby. It's it's a stressful period for, for him and the family, and yeah, maybe maybe it, it, it just pushed him over the edge at the weekend. I still think ultimately he'll be he'll be quite a calm manager, and I actually think he'll be beating himself up a little bit for, for getting red carded. On the flip side, Paul Warren, let's give him a bit of credit. I think look, he's not just an up upper, upper and atom manager; he's a great motivator. But I've noticed that he's used. Four different systems already this season, Rotherham. So so they will mix things up and adapt to their opponents accordingly. So so he's a, he's definitely a young manager on the rise. Um, I think Frank will be fine, won't
0: he? I'll tell you what, if he wants to uh, look to a manager for inspiration of how things can change, how things can click, Lee Johnson at Bristol City, who wasn't particularly popular... Had a very good start to last season. Didn't follow through. They're having a very good start to this season, uh, aren't they? One-nil uh, winners over Sheffield United. I
1: rate him really highly. Uh, this is a guy that, like you say, most clubs would have sacked him when when Bristol City were having an absolute stinker a couple of years ago. But but he he's he's a terrific thinker. He's adaptable, isn't he? I've always liked his bravery. He will just rip things up and start again if it's not working. Or in pursuit of a victory, he, he won't worry about making three changes, change the system, boom. In this particular win over Sheffield United, on the back of beating Blackburn 4-1, he changed it to 3-5-2, which I don't think went down particularly well with the supporters. And, and during the game... Even though it was working all right, he then changed it again to four four two, and it got them the goal uh, towards the end of the game. So, so well done to to Lee Johnson. There's a couple of other things um, that caught my eye. He said he changed the the plans over the international break. Now, international breaks are weird for Championship clubs because some of the players are away, but a lot aren't, and you don't know when to train, when, how many days to give off. Last year, they were shocking after international breaks. And what they did, they trained, and then they had a long weekend off, and then they trained again. So this time, they, they, they stopped doing that. They, they had four or five days off, and then they trained right through from the weekend before up until this game, and it worked. So so again, he's always thinking about the, the little things. And I think sometimes having a weekend off, David will tell you that having a weekend off, players can maybe be more tempted to, to go out and have a bit of fun. I would suggest during the international break <laughs> there is a break. glint in your
0: eyes, Adrian Clark.
1: <laughs> wow, well, yeah, there is, but I'm sure that I'm sure that David might have might have done the well, same. Although you're an international player, so you were probably always always away, weren't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, there wasn't that much break time, but I think for 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 say Lee at Bristol, I know that last season you know they tailed off, and I think there was reasons behind it. Obviously, the cup runs had a big impact on that. And actually, when there was opportunity to give the lads time away, they went away as a club. And, and uh, I'm not sure that was the right thing to do. If you ask a lot of players, when, when you're with your teammates... 24-7 on a long season. Actually, you might just want some time away from them. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So Lee is always, I think, he's constantly evolving his managerial style and learning, as you have to. Yeah, they did change at the weekend. Dido was back, who's massive for them, to sell, I think it was 27, 28 million and only spend around seven yeah. or eight and bring in loan ease. Obviously, Webster was a big signing to replace Flint. But other than that, you got to say in terms of using the market and the loan market, Calas, for example, you know, He's done it really, really well. Mm.
1: Terrific signing, Callas. On that, spending too much time in one of those pockets. There is breaking news they they've decided not to go home after Tuesday night's game against West Bromwich Albion. So they're traveling to West Brom, which isn't a long journey really from Bristol to to the West Midlands, but they're going to stay over and then travel up north and and, and train in the northwest at the Cliff ahead of Friday night's game at Wigan called it an NBA style road trip. So let's hope they're not they're not hating one another by the end of this
0: road trip. Let's hope that it's brought them closer together rather than further apart. Down at the bottom, massive result for Reading. Um, do you know when Paul Clement's last league win as Reading manager was before Saturday? It was in April, I'll spare you the the, the time wondering. Um, he hadn't won any of his past 13 away matches as uh, manager. In fact, his last win on the road was against Reading as a Swansea manager in the, uh, uh, in the League Cup in 2017. But there you go, Preston North End 2, Reading 3. And a lot of positives here, Clark. You're a cracking second goal. The link-up between Swift and Aluko's is lovely. And then Bakuna does that thing that Bakuna does about once every 20 games, where he looks absolutely world-class. 60-yard lung-busting run in the 81st minute. Everything you could ever want from a midfielder. Don't be duped. Why doesn't this happen more often? Because
1: <laughs> he's not world-class. <laughs> he's OK, isn't he, Bakuna? Takes a mean free kick, though. We mm. saw that, didn't we, uh, during his, his time at... Aston Villa. But no, they needed this big time, didn't they? What a what a huge week it, it could be actually for, for Clement and for and for Reading because on the back of that, it's a terrific win, isn't it, at Preston. And uh, they got a couple of home games against Norwich and Hull to come. So you'd look at it and think, is this the week that, that saves him his job? Is this the week that Reading uh, get themselves into gear? Very, very impressed. They They played with a good energy at the weekend. And when you're at the bottom... Often,
0: you see teams going away from home trying to shut up shop. They didn't do that. Good news for them. Bad news for Preston, though. Now, Last season, we got a lot of complaints from Preston fans that we weren't talking about them often enough. I always used to write back and say, look, the problem is, if you're in the middle of the table, if you're not pushing for promotion, you're not in danger of relegation, you're probably going to get spoken about less. I've got a horrible feeling, David Connolly. We're going to be speaking about Preston quite a bit this season. I beg to differ. I think that you know Alex Neil has done a
2: terrific job there. And if you'd have saw them last season, they are one of the most hard-working, diligent, dogged teams. I think Ben Pearson is hugely important for them he's had so many red cards, it has a massive impact on them when he doesn't play. Obviously Hugo left as well. I think they would have been playoff contenders, you know, right up there if he'd have stayed. I just think he's he's always climbing a mountain there, Alex Neil. but he's done a great job. I just feel that at some point Reading had to had to make a turnaround look he tried to play out and played a beautiful game last season you know following Yapstam it didn't work you saw it at the start of this season he's abandoned that and gone you know what don't worry about us playing out from the back and being beautiful we need to get results finally they've got one when it looked like they were never going to get a good result and I'm sure now give him that little bit of confidence going away from home to deep down and coming away with three points that is a massive little, they'll be back on the bus afterwards thrilled delighted with that and they've got talented boys they really have the likes of Swift Aluko they're they're coveted players mm. so you know they I feel they've got enough within their ranks just defensively they've had so many different partnerships at the back he just can't get it right and um O'Shea's come in he's at the back uh, on the bench McShane as well on the bench it you just can't get that solidity, which I think is really important for them.
0: All right. Brentford. Brentford, second in the table. Two-nil victors against Wigan. And the first goal they scored at the weekend, it's, uh, did you say it was like three quick-fire first-time passes and then a first-time finish. They are race-tuned.
1: Yeah, ben Rama it was, wasn't it, that made the goal. He's come in for, for Kanyos at the moment. And, yeah, they've got so much talent in forward areas, haven't they, Brentford? Got some stats for you. Love a stat. Neil Mopé, okay, this is the best tapping merchant in world football <laughs> at the moment. Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> 7 goals, 3 assists, fantastic. 16 of his 18 shots so far this season have been on target. That's because most of them have been from sort of 8 yards or or under. Wait for this. 58 minutes per goal so wow. far this season. Head and shoulders blows the rest of the championship out of the water. So, I mean, you saw, you've you seen a lot of him, David. I mean, you were a striker, uh, you know, some repute. So
0: he, he knows how to be in the right place, yeah. this boy, doesn't he? David, you were you were actually there, weren't you? Because you're the scout for Bristol City. That's so right, what, yep. what do you make of this Neo Lineker? <laughs> um,
2: well, funnily enough, I think he should have well over double figures because all the games I've seen, he's missed so many one-on-ones. I mean, they dominate the ball really well. They find him ever so well. And prior to... To the winger receiving that pass, you didn't actually see all the good work Josh McEachran done, and he was exceptional. And he was his form actually has forced well allowed them to actually sell Ryan Woods, who to me was one of the best Championship midfielders. So he's a player who actually many people thought was spent, a spent force, and he was sensational at the weekend. So comfortable on the ball, he made that little bit of uh, that diagonal pass by doing a great bit of skill in the middle of the park. And when you've got someone with that vision who can pick you up, plus you've got Watkins out wide, they've got pace everywhere. I feel Mopay he will probably get 15, 20 goals, but actually by now
0: he should already be over 10. I tell you what, talking of Woods, who obviously moved to Stoke, Stoke blew a two-goal lead. They've still only won one game all season. What's going on there?
2: Well, the worst defensive record. It's obviously not what Gary was hoping for. I'm sure that it's, there's some adjustment, I think, when you obviously you come down, um, but he just can't find a winning formula. And against Sheffield Wednesday, who I've seen live, they're a good side, let me tell you. Barry Bannon is arguably one of the best players I've seen in the Championship this season. He's exceptional. So I don't think anyone thought that there would maybe come away a result there because that's a tricky place to go and they've got some talented boys but yeah it's a lot of work to do there. For he's another manager I guess in the championship a bit like maybe Paul Hurst at Ipswich under a little bit of pressure. Well
0: then that's exactly who we're going to talk about mm-hmm. because Ipswich are bottom beaten 2-0 by Hull. Um, interesting piece written by Chris Dunlavy in the Football League paper by it's really good value. He said, this was about a week ago, on balance, fans remain optimistic and it's a measure of their disillusionment with Mick McCarthy that the majority are happier at the bottom of the table playing positively than being in the middle playing pragmatically.
1: Oh, my goodness. So it's still Mick's fault, right? <laughs> uh, come on. Uh, look, I wonder if Mick's having a wry right smile at, at the predicament at the moment. Ipswich fans have had literally nothing to cheer about this this season they've been ahead in games right how many games are we into this season uh, seven seven games they've been ahead for a grand total of 29 minutes um, which is <laughs> a lot of misery and a lot of frustration for the supporters they just can't score goals at the moment none of the strikers are firing and you do look, and, and you look at the manager as well he's making some strange decisions I was really surprised that he dropped the keeper Białkowski, who I thought was a brilliant for them last year, he's amazing. Yeah, exactly. He was a, he was a beast, wasn't he? A man mountain yeah. had a couple of iffy games. Boom, he's out, and Gherkin's in. I, I, Yeah, I I think he's feeling the pressure and he did I think he talked in the week and said look I'm not discounting the possibility that they're
0: thinking of getting rid of me, pretty much said that Well David, one of the problems that that can emerge in management is that managers who've been brilliant at at certain levels rise up to a point where you know the the tricks and the the touches that that work so well for them no longer work Is there a danger that this could happen? Yeah, possibly, I mean it's a big call to to leave out Bartos
2: Kowski, he was at Southampton with me I think he's a great lad, he's done really well for himself um, you know that's a big call and another big call is bringing in players maybe from the division you know and, and making that step up to Ipswich which is you know it's a big club of high expectation those fans are used to a certain sort of style of play although they might maybe not have had it under Mick he still did really well though I felt in very very challenging circumstances if, if it had the money for example Roy Keane had who knows what he might have done. As it is, Paul Hurst, I think he's, he is struggling to adjust. There are expectations there and the fans, I've heard, look, they're doing well in training but they can't bring it into a game and that's always a really worrying sign. If things are going well in training but actually get to the games and
0: it's still not going right. Do you think it's possible to believe that Mick McCarthy was doing a decent job and yet it was also time for a change. I mean, it's it's always one thing to sort of see it from here and another thing to see it when you're spending a few hundred quid on a season ticket every year.
2: Well, I think that Mick probably concedes himself that he'd been there a long time and maybe Mick had gone stale and, and um, he's someone I know well and I just feel he might have needed a change as well. it. I think it, I don't think he could have done much more with what he had I really don't any time they they unearthed a player they'd have to sell him, you know and he was left with you know just trying to perform miracles in, in in the sort of they had Mings for example they sold for big money they got for nothing I mean the list is endless so I think it's it's a difficult job
0: all right. We, we thought Norwich would be in for a difficult season and they popped up and beat Middlesbrough 1-0, which is a fantastic result. I was quite surprised to see Middlesbrough still playing five at the back away at Norwich. It's one of the best, on the highest funded teams in the division. No, no disrespect to Norwich, but I thought they might have, might have <laughs> but, gone for it a bit but more But
1: five at the back doesn't
0: necessarily mean you're defensive. You, you
1: could, five can mean three. I don't think we, it, should, we should we should qualify <laughs> that as as being defensive. But Tony Pulis isn't isn't an adventurous manager, is he? He will look to play on the counter, use the pace of of the front to uh and Braithwaite. But yeah, no bad day at the office for for Borough. But look, they had gone over nine
0: hours without conceding, so <laughs> they, they're doing plenty right. Finally, Leeds United, very very nearly beaten for the first time this season by Millwall that would have gone down well wouldn't it yeah I saw saw it
1: was a a long throw from Ryan Leonard somebody that we uh, would would, would know and admire from his South End days he has got some throwing in Ryan Leonard Um, didn't work out well hasn't really worked out for him at Chef United he's at Millwall they came very close to causing a big upset against a depleted Leeds team Uh, great goal though I thought from Jack Harrison who's a, a name to look out for I think
0: All right, let's wrap up with Joey Crilliam from William Hilliam Joe. I've not heard that name in a while. <laughs> I've missed it. Vintage retro episode. Um, let's look back at some of the stuff we've discussed. Brentford and their odds to win outright promotion.
3: Yeah, believe it or not, Brentford have actually leapfrogged Leeds in the betting. What? Uh, so Brentford are now favourites to what? win the title at seven to two with Leeds nine to two. Uh, and if you go to the promotion, they're obviously the two favourites uh, to gain promotion. Uh, but Brentford eleven to eight, Leeds six to four.
1: I'm stunned at that. Uh, hipsters in charge over at
3: William Hill. I mean, this is...
1: <laughs> but, but they are a very, very good
0: team. Yeah. All
3: right, uh, Reading. Reading to survive. We, we think they might just. They are fourth favourites to go down behind Bolton, Rotherham and Ipswich, bizarrely. All right, and to finish off, Ipswich to survive. Uh, well, they're 11 to 8 to go down, so still just about odds on to Swinx. survive. Thank you
0: very much, Joe Crilly from William Hill. When we come back, League One.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop.
0: Founded in 1876 by an unlikely consortium of candlestick makers and disenchanted Jesuit ministers... Nope, fine. Right, I'll make my own football history podcast elsewhere. League One. What a lot of things are going on. Mayhem and carnage, says Blackpool boss Terry McPhillips. Two of his own players getting sent off in their 1-0 win at Plymouth. And that heated head-to-head, but it was rare as an Ian Henderson hat-trick. Veteran striker with his first senior hat-trick in Rochdale's 3-0 triumph over Gillingham gillingham are now five defeats from their last six games cgd chirps up on twitter says please can you stop shining steve evans's backside and give portsmouth some well-deserved attention on the show this week that is probably the most hideous image that i've ever (laughs) had i mean that more than anything else that's a lot of ground to cover and that—that that is a very sizeable bottom. Too much, too much. That's dis- um, it disgusts me. All the chamois leathers in the world. Also on Twitter, Josh says, "Can we get some love for Pompey this week after a huge victory on Saturday against Steve Evans' Peterborough?" He's happy to contribute if needed. Josh, contribute. So, Josh, last season under Kenny jacket Portsmouth, kind of nondescript, never really threatening very much. This season, totally different story. What's changed?
5: I'd have to say the summer recruitment. I mean, we went about our business very quietly and we brought in players who, some of them aren't that appealing on paper, but they're solid, experienced players who have sort of let our flair players release the shackles. So you've got McGuvering Goal, who couldn't get ahead of Dean Henderson at Shrewsbury, but has made a huge difference. Tom Naylor from Burton, absolutely brilliant so far in midfield, and it releases the likes of Jamal Lowe, who, in my opinion, is a championship winger, even potentially Premier League winger in the waiting. Just gives him that much more freedom. And Ronan Curtis has been an absolute steal from Ireland so far.
0: Behind the scenes, I mean, it's obviously so much trouble over the past ten years. But does it feel, does it feel calmer now? Does it feel like there's a foundation that everyone can build on?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. The Eisners have come in, and everything that they've done has been positive. There's not really much negativity around the club anymore, which is in itself is refreshing. But you very much get the sense that the club is on its way back. It's now back on its feet, and every every time you go to Fratton Park now, there is a buzz and there's no negativity. So yeah, it's, it's really positive down there at the moment.
1: Terrific away following as well. I noticed uh, at London Road, Josh, two thousand five hundred thirteen away fans. That that I think tells us that, that you guys are really behind Kenny Jackett and the boys. Um, what's the end goal here? Is it is it back to the Premier League or would you be satisfied as supporters if you just got yourself back in the Championship?
5: I think now, now we're back on a stable footing. I think that ultimately, the Championship is the goal. There's a lot that would love to see us back in the Premier League, but we know where we've been before. You don't want to make that mistake again, spending too much money to get there. If we went up this year, which if you asked us at the start of the season I guarantee you the majority of Pompey fans if you'd said playoffs would have been absolutely delighted but uh, no one would have expected this start at all but the championship is really something that we would love to be back where we would love to be back
2: What do you make of the call to replace Pittman with Oli Hawkins?
5: I mean it's a bold one um, the good thing about Kenny Jackett is that he's he makes these decisions he's quite ruthless despite not seeming as though he's a ruthless character he, he makes his decisions and when you've got someone of Brett Pittman's quality, 25 goals on the bench, there are a few fans around you that do scratch their heads that you can hear them moaning about it, especially Ollie Hawkins he isn't the most clinical striker, but the way he started the season, is he's a new man. He's Last season, for a big guy, he wasn't really strong enough. He he didn't put himself about a bit, but this season, it's him up front that has allowed the likes of Jamila and Ronan Curtis to really step up their game and score goals, because it, at the end of the day, if Hawkins isn't cutting it, you've got Pittman to come off the bench. But it's a, it is a strange decision, but it's certainly paid off so far.
0: Josh, no team in the division has conceded fewer than Portsmouth. Only one team scored more than Portsmouth. You're still unbeaten eight games in. You're going up, aren't you?
5: I don't want to count my chickens too early. <laughs> um, we let us hope so. Let's hope so. I mean, it, there's a long, long way to go yet, but it's it's all started fantastically, and if we can keep together some of our key players like Jamolo, like Matt Clark, who in my opinion is probably the best centre half in the league, we keep them in January, then there's no reason as to why we can't be in the championship next season.
0: All right, well, best of luck for the rest of the campaign. That's Josh Sweetman there, and you can get your team on the show too by sending us a tweet at
4: The Totally Show. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is The Totally Football League Show from Muddy Knees Media. All right, well, let's talk about
0: that game then. Peterborough 1, Portsmouth 2. David, what a result.
2: Yeah, fantastic. You know, I don't think many people, although Pompey are in terrific form to... To go to Posh and come over a victory was was an amazing result. Obviously, Ollie Hawkins off the mark, finally gets a goal. He's in there instead of the hitman, pitman. So, big call there. And great to see Kenny Jackett doing well, former youth team manager. He's gone in and and really taken that club on from where Paul Cook left it. Uh, he's got front three in really good form, obviously. Hawkins, Jamal Lowe, they signed from Hampton and Richmond, who's who's found his level, he looks like he's he's sparkling, he's coming to life, they've got a really good back forward, a goalkeeper who's come in and done excellently, they've got Matt Clark at the back, they're just a club that is obviously going places and um, brilliant result away from home.
0: What is it about Kenny Jacket because I mean obviously there have been missteps, rather than being being one, but you hear so much about him and the effect he has on players. What's it like to work under him?
2: Yeah, he's very exacting. He doesn't he doesn't hold any prisoners, you know, and he has really high standards. So you, you kind of got to go with him on that and buy into what he's doing. And he's not afraid to make tough calls. As I said, you know, he's he's brought in Hawkins instead of instead of Pittman, and you know, Brett Pittman scored a lot of goals for him and was excellent for them last season. But you know, that's the way he wants to go, and he gets a lot out of what he has. And look, he hasn't had. A huge amount of money to spend there um, and he's just fashioning a really good a team in the image of himself really good workmanlike they work really hard for each other and look if you get the fans behind you down there you've got a real chance.
0: Over at Peterborough Clarkey, quite the influx of players in <laughs> in the summer I mean let's not be around the bush they should be favourites to go up shouldn't they? Well with the firepower that they've
1: got I think they, they'll be there or thereabouts won't they? They're going to have to but they probably need to shore up a little bit at the back they're leaking a few goals aren't they? But, but when you've got a front two in the shape of Matt Godden and Jason Cummings, who sc- have scored 13 goals between them, then you know that you're, you're, gonna, you're in a pretty good place because you've got that firepower to hurt teams on the break so much pace going forward, Peter Bratt.
0: Let's have a look at everything else that happened then. Wimbledon beaten 3-2 at home by Scunthorpe. David, should Wimbledon be worried? They'd started all right, but that's not a good result, is it?
2: No, I mean, the home form's been disappointing. Um, I don't know if you saw some of the goals, but the first one, the ball's gone straight over Tom King in goal. I do have worries about their goalkeeping situation. I think they really missed George Long, who's was on loan from Sheffield United, now gone to Hull. I hope Neil can turn it around. He's lost a lot of goals out of his team in Lyle Taylor, for example. I don't think they've quite replaced them. And obviously, at both ends now, you're looking at replacements for two really big players. And I don't think they've quite got them in a the minute.
0: Clarkey, Burton beat Sunderland again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we know what Sunderland are like. They fold up like cheap deck chair, don't they? Or don't they? Wow. Well,
1: well, this season it's been completely different, hasn't it, under Jack Ross. It's been all about. The poor starts and the strong finishes and I think it was probably a matter of time before it caught up with them. Another really lame start to the game. They fall two goals behind this time and they can't retrieve it. I think Sunderland are going to be all right. But I don't know if they need to change their warm-up, their pre-match meal, just something in regards to their preparation for games. Because they are terrible in the first 20-25 minutes. Beyond that. They've been outstanding. So, yeah, Sunderland, they, they were favourites at the start of the season. I, I labelled them weak favourites. I stand by that. But uh, but having seen them a, a few times already, I think they'll be there or thereabouts for sure.
0: Pre-match music and they need ACDC, not Sigar rolls or whatever the hell they're doing. Um, you've got good things to say about Coventry, haven't mm. you? And no wonder, because they beat Barnsley 1-0.
1: Big time, yeah. I was there for the, um, the Checker Trade game against Arsenal and they played a B team. And, and they didn't really impress in that game. But I did get the chance to speak to Michael Doyle who's still their main player really he's 37 years of age a proper old pro and he was he was full of praise for the young players at the club um, tom bayless this this kid is really outstanding he he can play anywhere in attacking midfield or central midfield you've got jordan Shipley, who's excellent jordan willis who scored at the weekend at the back a lot to like about coventry have also got a superb keeper for league one level i think lee burge who was, who was brilliant last year he's going to be a key man for them this year they were always going to beat Barnsley. Haven't lost at home to them in 95 years. So I think it was it was probably not really worth uh, Barnsley set, turning up for that one. But no, I, I think Coventry City, even though they're sitting mid-table at the moment, are going to, to climb the table, especially when Maxime Biomu comes back and when he, he can form a partnership potentially with uh, Johnson Clark Harris or, or the new guy, Connor Chaplin,
0: who came from Pompey. David Plymouth making their traditional slow start to the season, beaten at home by Blackpool, but that's really not the story because they had two players sent off for, for fighting each other. Have you ever come across that as a player? Um,
2: no, not not in um, not in, in matches. No, uh, obviously there have been a few, haven't they? But highly publicised, for example, Bowyer and Dyer, for example. But no, not not myself. Uh, I fear for Plymouth because they've, you know, gone from having a terrific season last season to this one, having a dreadful start. And I just wonder if they can pull themselves
0: out for it, out of it. Derek Adams has got a big job on his hands. Walsall won Doncaster four. I still haven't forgiven Doncaster for what happened against South End on day one of the season where we completely outplayed him and were three 0 down. I I really didn't expect Doncaster to be in amongst it as promotion candidates. No, me
1: neither. It's a big job, isn't it, for the for the manager who was sort of cast aside from by Peterborough. But he's he's done well. I think he, he's a smart loan acquisition in Malik Wilkes, uh, who who was excellent. Again at the weekend, lovely pass by the way from Ben Whiteman. slider roll pass in for Malik uh, Wilkes to score, score a great goal at the weekend. Now, Donny, I, yeah, I, I can see them sticking around the playoff
0: picture. And Luton, good news, beat Bristol Rovers 1-0. Bad news, Yunano Kane on loan suffered a broken leg, tibia and fibula. I'm no doctor, but I know that's not good. Terrible for him, and I think that's a, a big result
2: for Luton. Nathan Jones, you know, had a terrific season last season, found it a little bit tougher going so far, but uh, I think he's a coach and a manager of big ambitions, and I'm sure they'll pick up now, Luton.
0: Joe from William Hill. We have questions. You have answers in the form of numbers.
3: Sunderland to fail to finish in the top two. So there's still just a shade of odds on to finish in the top two but they are even money to miss out on the top two but despite that they are still the favourites to win the league at 8-15 to
0: So basically you're hedging on everything aren't you? Like yes Literally anything much. could happen Where are Portsmouth going to end up?
3: If you, if you look at the odds for promotion they are third favourites so still the, the the two teams that we were bigging up right at the start of the season Sunderland and Barnsley are still odds on for promotion Portsmouth are third favourites at 5-4 to four with Peterborough 11 4 four fourth.
0: What about a funky double header between Leeds and Portsmouth, both
3: to win their respective leagues? Of course, they're both unbeaten, and it is 26.5 to 1. So uh, quite a big price there. And if you were so inclined to want just the promotion double, it's 9 to 2. Seems far
4: safer. When we come back,
3: League 2.
4: In the latest edition of the Bradley Wiggins podcast by Eurosport, Sir Brad and the team discussed Simon Yates' historic victory in La Vuelta España, making a clean sweep for Britain in the Grand Tours. Had he gone to Sky back when, you know, he got there in a tour, yeah. I don't think he would have won the Vuelta. Nah, I don't think. I yeah, think it a few like, years like a sh- sliding yeah. doors moment, whether his career would have gone this path, where he just fell into the kind of...
2: Yeah, I don't think he would in... have, yeah. I think it would have been just made into like Keato is now, yeah. you know, just one yeah. of those guys that
4: pulls super hard on the front. So by nature the fact that Sky wouldn't take Adam on as well. they they come as one package that he uh, you know, has ended up having a great team, found a great team and won a grand tour at 26. That's the Bradley Wiggins podcast by Eurosport. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now. Welcome to League 2, the home of the
0: goals. Yeovil Town. Shock of the day in the whole EFL. Winning 6-0 at second place Newport after someone... Someone was gushing about Newport. It's a whole show, all of you last week. I'm so glad that so much has changed, but the curse of the Totally Football League show remains. It was mainly Sam and Caroline, I think, if I remember <laughs> rightly. <laughs> Blame them because one is in a Washington, D.C. prison and the other... Where is Sam? Well, he's eating fancy <laughs> yeah. Italian breakfast. He's having a lovely time, and he? Bless him. Anyway, uh, elsewhere, Harry Kuehl, first point for Notts County. 3-0 with Stevenage. Uh, 2-0 to the creepy Crawley over Morecambe. And Colchester are back on it with a 3-0 win over Cambridge. But let's talk about Newport and, and Yeovil. Newport nil, Yeovil 6. I would say... That nobody in the country predicted this scoreline. No, you, you just you wouldn't have. I mean Newport have been superb at home.
1: Rodney Parade is not. It's never easy to go there, um, but Yeovil just just destroyed them, didn't they? And they destroyed them, I think, because they're playing with confidence. And and when you've been behind for one minute in the entire season, and that's still the case. I've used that stat on this pod before. It still stands. They've been behind for one minute. It gives you a spring in your step and they've got some really quick players, haven't they? They're really, really lining up front. I think Jordan Green has been a, Uh, Well, he's on fire at the moment for them. So, no, it's onwards and upwards. Darren Way has has struck on a good formula at Yeovil. They've got the potential, I think, to to stick around at the top. I mean,
2: there's six games unbeaten, so I don't think it was... uh, Look, the result, yes, What is it the biggest in League 2 for, I don't know, about seven years. So, I don't think anyone saw it coming. But in terms of their form, Yeovil, I think, you know, um, you wouldn't put it past them maybe getting an away victory. But 6-0, that was a big
0: score. Can a result like that really,
2: really, you know, take the wind out of your sails? If... I don't. I don't think um, you know Flynn will be too concerned. I think it's just a little bump in the road. What he will be disappointed is that actually they could have gone top if they had got a positive result there. So you know, but he knows that they're overachieving at the minute, and I, I think it might be a little bump in the road. They'll get back on it.
1: On on Yeovil, Darren Way. This is such an overlooked factor His turnover of players at League Two level is ridiculous, and especially at places like Yeovil where they don't have much money. I did look at their last game of last season and. The players that started in this one, only three survivors. So he's he's revamped his team, started again. So for them to, to go to a really difficult away ground and literally obliterate them with a new team so early in the campaign, very impressed.
0: All right. Also impressive, uh, Tranmere Rovers with a 2 0 win over Carlisle, whose fortunes haven't got any better in the post Keith Curl era. Tranmere Rovers, so many teams we see bounce up from non league and get promoted straight away. Are they in with a chance?
1: Well, when you've got a striker like James Norwood, top goalscorer in League Two, then you've always got a chance because he's on seven already. I would hazard a guess that providing he stays fit, he will, he will end on between 20 and 30, which. I think in itself, just his presence alone would would put them around mid-table. They've just got to make sure that they're tight, tight enough at the back. The goalkeeper was the hero of the hour here, wasn't he? He'd, he saved the penalty at Neil Neil. I think with only fifteen minutes left to play, and then Tranmere went on and and scored a couple of goals, and and neither of those goals were scored by Norwood. So no, I think Tranmere, they're not Caught the eye as such so far. They've not made too many headlines, but nice and steady. And I think they're doing fine.
0: All right, Grimsby nil, Oldham three. Someone on this show was talking up Grimsby the other day, and someone was talking down Oldham. I can see your naughty faces, Joe Crilly, and uh, Adrian Clark. Well, Clarky, let's go with Oldham first of all. Mm. You said they were not very good. Turns out they're all right. (laughs) Well, I saw and it was the end of last
1: season, and they were atrocious with a capital A. And I looked at the defence; they're full of kids. I just, I just thought, this team—if they—if they don't improve, they're going to be near the bottom, not of League Two. And this was a League One fixture I saw them in. But no, they, they recruited well. I think that Frankie Bunn deserves credit for recognising the need for experienced players. He brought in a number of players, um, a couple of which were in the thirties. And he also signed Sam Stur- Sam Surridge. Mustn't say Sturridge. Sam Surridge, unknown from Bournemouth, and he he did really well. I thought for Yeovil last year in a, in a quite a poor Yeovil side, scored eight goals. That was a smart low move. And look, he's got he's got a goal every ninety four minutes this season. He's given them a bit of pace up top.
0: Uh, Lincoln have a three point gap, tighter than you would imagine. Two one victory against Macclesfield, still without a win. David, when when you're scouting teams, I mean, some teams must be harder to read than others. Lincoln have a lot of kind of characteristic things they do, don't they? And they they look like they're in their groove this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's got a nice balance there. I think of a bit of experience, I like of Shackle, Boswick, John Akindi who I know he was at Portsmouth and it maybe wasn't quite the right club for him. But look, he will score goals. I think Danny Cowley, he's obviously a very talented manager. He's i've heard leave no stone unturned and i'm sure he's going to progress with that lincoln team they're, they're getting really good results and i think when you are so i saw him in the in the cup actually at, at, at arsenal they never sat down they're always on the sideline cajoling trying to think is there a way they've got big matt reed so if they do need to change it and go back to how they played last season maybe not with the in behind but someone who can hold it up they've got that option off the bench and um, he's made really good signings uh, I'm sure that they will get
0: promoted, Lincoln, this season. Oh, I bet season. he's glad he didn't take that Ipswich job because uh, Lincoln are going up. There's no conversation. They may as well promote him now. Notts County, I also thought, might kick on. Not so much. Still very much 92nd in the Football League, but a 3 all draw and a first point for Harry Kuehl. Clarkie, we know all about Harry Kuehl. He mm. wants his teams to play in a certain way. It can take a while. Based on what happened last season, mm. to get them going, how long is it going to take here, and how long has he got?
1: Wow, well, how long has he got? <laughs> he just did <in> the job. <laughs> I mean, this is his first home game in you officially know what in football's charge. Like, Clark, I know, <laughs> I know, I do. Um, no, he'll make them better to watch. I think they were quite an uh, efficient team under Kevin Nolan. Obviously, a, a good team, a strong team. But now they'll, they'll play better football, more exciting stuff, more expansive. He's got to sort the defence out. I mean, defensively they have been hopeless haven't they so far this season so He's going to have to work and concentrate on, on that end of the pitch if they're to climb the table.
2: What he has got to do, which I think is really difficult, he's got players who are, who are brought in and playing in a style under Kevin Nolan, which was very direct. If you saw them in the playoffs against Coventry, for example, they were very back to front, playing off second balls, never played out from the back. They try to play to their strengths. Obviously, they had a front two and four instead, and who didn't really have legs to get in behind, but get the ball wide, get it in the box. Traditional, you know, 4 4 2. To suddenly change, I think it's going to be difficult. And you see the result. Results, lost two, drawn one. I think he's got to be careful with Harakul in terms of... it Because, look, he can't change the squad. Mm. He, he can't bring anyone else in. So, And those players are really well moulded in that Kevin Nolan way of playing. It's, it's going to be difficult.
1: He has got to bore the players senseless. That's what he's got to do on the training pitch. It's drill after drill after drill of defensive work. Because when you've conceded, was it 24 goals in eight games? Then, then that is that's diabolical. They, they've got they've got to be spending mornings and afternoons working on that aspect of the game.
0: Joe Crilly sounds like Notts County have got problems. Uh, surely they're down the promotion odds a bit now.
3: Yeah, for the first time this season, their relegation odds are shorter than Ooh. their odds for promotion. So they are now ten to one uh, to go up, which puts them only above Cambridge, Cheltenham, Grimsby, Macclesfield, and Morecambe in the promotion betting. Whereas they are now six to one for relegation but uh that well i was going to say that that is quite a long price but it's fifth favorites again just behind those four that i mentioned eh, before
0: 38 games left they're only 11 off the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> that's the optimism in me.
3: uh tramir rovers for promotion could that happen i mean they're not a big price at all nine to two uh for promotion sitting just outside the playoffs at the moment i can't see why that isn't a, a decent bet
0: all right thank you joe cruelly from william hill coming up next Obviously,
3: a huge, huge
0: selection of Tuesday and Wednesday fixtures. But this weekend, Wigan against Bristol City. Wigan not in the greatest to form, Clarkie. Good chance for Bristol City there.
1: Yeah, especially we, we spoke earlier on in the show about Bristol City staying in the northwest of England. So they're, they're prepping for this one properly aren't they bristol State? i think this will be a cracker i really do because wigan are bold they're 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 an enterprise inside they have not come up into the championship to be a damaged limitation team they're, they're attacking games trying to win them they've had a little setback at the weekend but no i, th- I see goals in this match i really do and well i don't know if david's um seen, seen wigan uh in the build-up but um but no i think it will be entertaining
0: Leeds-Birmingham after leeds Millworths it's another one for the half and half scarf sellers Birmingham still looking for their first win I mean is there a crisis here they looked alright under Gary Monk last season
2: yes I mean I don't think there is a crisis because despite their results and I saw them live at Nottingham Forest and I thought they were excellent they gave away a two goal lead but to me he's got a lot of positives he's got a lot of good players there I don't think they're far away they're, they're, I think they're really close to just turning it around um, you know Harley-Dean Yotta, Jukovic up top Magoma They've, honestly, they've got good players. They really have. A, I don't think they're far away from from getting the result that that I think they actually merit. They should have won at Forest. They were bet a better side, and I I just think that that would have kicked them on.
0: I'll tell you what: there is absolutely no reason to believe that Birmingham without a victory will beat Leeds without a defeat, and yet that's exactly why mm-hmm. I think it will happen. Derby Brentford looks a bit tasty too, as well. Big it, time, yeah. No, uh,
1: Joseph's the Joseph soon Derby. Can we call it that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a really interesting one, and I think it'd be a, a beautiful match to watch because Brentford are always glorious in terms of their style, and Derby are trying to play that way. Yeah, fascinating. I think the if Brentford can go to that stadium and win and win in style, then those odds that have made them favourites to, to win the title will be fully justified.
0: All right. In League One, we have uh, Bradford. Four defeats in a row for them. <laughs> and they've got to go away to Doncaster. We've got Chelton against Plymouth. Can Plymouth get their first win at Chelton yeah, probably not. And uh, elsewhere, um, <coughs> Southend face Fleetwood, which may not go too well, given the way the season's been thus far. League Two, West Country battle. to Swindon count as West Country? Can we just, just about yep. put that so, in their yeah, territory? Yeah. Um, Yeovil Swindon, how's that going to go? Ooh, you know, well, you
1: can't back against Yeovil at the moment, can you? I mean, scoring goals, not not conceding at all. If if Yeovil scored the first goal, history so far this season tells you but they'll go
2: on and take all three points.
0: Uh, Lincoln against MK Duns. Uh, will Lincoln's run continue, David Connolly?
2: Yes, I think it will. I think um, they're in really good form, got a nice balance, a uh,
0: good mix of youth and experience, and uh, I, th- I think that'll be a really good game, actually. Uh, Macclesfield with a chance to get their first win of the season, Clarkey mm-hmm. at- Fellow strugglers, Morecambe. Can
1: ooh, that was fusions. a big that was a big ooh uh, because <laughs> Macclesfield Morecambe would be my two tips for the drop. Actually, uh, they are two clubs that probably are punch you know punching above their weight to maybe be in the the EFL. Um, don't know which way I'd go. I'd probably back Morecambe. I've just been really unimpressed by Macclesfield. It's, it's not worked out, if ever a manager leaving was going to affect the team I, I always felt it might be John Askey at Macclesfield and and they're just not the same without him
0: and finally Clarkey, can Newport bounce back they go away to Tranmere Rovers can they get over this I don't think they will no I fancy Oof. Tranmere I, th- I think that I'm not saying the bubble has burst at
1: Newport County but I do think that Tranmere are a really solid team and you've got to remember that they went up and that and that gave them I think a lot of belief obviously they lost their, their one of their main strikers but no, I, I see a lot of good things at Tranmere and I think they'll beat Newport. All
0: right, well, we end the show with the the terribly sad news that uh, Bolton Wanderers defender Stephen Darby has been forced to retire from football after being diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Obviously, all the thoughts and best wishes of the Totally Football League show with him and his family now. Uh, Joe, Stephen Darby's been a, a
3: fine player. Really awful, isn't it? It's it's terrible. It, it really is. And he perhaps didn't play as much for Bolton Wanderers following his move from Bradford where he was part of their history makers team in, in 2013 when they reached the final of the Capital One Cup, I believe it was called at the time. And I, I think Phil Parkinson says it, says it best in, in his statement today. He says the Bolton Wanderers fans didn't see the best of him due to limited first-team uh, opportunities, but I can assure everyone he made a significant contribution in last year's survival. I think he was a leader off the pitch... He set high standards in training. And, and so it, it is incredibly sad. And, and everybody at Bradford, even Phil Parkinson, who, of course, was his manager at Bradford, say that he was one of the key factors in the success that they had at Valley Parade. So it is incredibly sad news, yeah.
0: Well, that's your Totally Football League show with many thanks to AC, DC, JC. And dear Christ, let's all hope that BC Barker Caroline makes bail for next week. And let's all hope that I will
4: not see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our brand new podcast for this season, The Totally Scottish Football Show, with Andrew Slaven. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing. But then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day.